Welcome to the Front Desk Goddess Diaries. My name is Amy and I am a personal practice coach for the Brady Group. I've been in your shoes and I have the pleasure of working with dental practices across the globe. And you know what I've discovered? Everyone has the same challenges. I'm excited to share wisdom that I've gained from great dental practices just like yours. Today, we're going to talk about the five things you might be doing that are making your job harder. See, I get to talk to a lot of different dental practices every day, and those who are doing well and, you know, not to be cliche, but working smarter, not harder, have five things in common. And we're going to talk about those five things that they are not doing um, in an effort to, to make their jobs much easier. See, there are things that we are trained to do um, in our industry that we've just always done it that way um, or you know we just aren't really quite uh, focused on the the same vision across the board uh, as a team and so we're going to talk about these five things the first thing that we might be doing that is getting in the way of uh, progress and making our jobs much easier mainly at the front is controlling the systems at the front Second thing we might be doing is not collecting when treatment is scheduled. Third thing, chasing down patients that don't want to be in your office. Fourth, filling holes in the schedule. And five, being the expert when it comes to insurance. Now you might be thinking, well, gee, what's wrong with all of those things? That's just kind of how we operate or what we do or how we've always done things. So let's break this down. First thing you're doing or could be doing that might be making your job really hard is controlling the systems at the front. Now you might not see it as controlling, but uh, maybe you're not taking time to cross train. Maybe you have systems in the office or at the front, or maybe it's not even a system. Maybe it's just a way you do things and you don't have time to show someone else how to do it. So you just do it. And uh, the problem with that is uh, what do you, what's gonna happen if you have to be out of the office? unexpectedly something comes up and you have to be away from the office. Well, a couple of things. Number one, the team can't function very well. And uh, the second thing is you're gonna come back to a huge pile of things. Now, I understand some of you are office managers and I get that, but um, I would love for you to download in the, the show notes my office manager job description. Not to take away from your role or your title, that's not the point, but in an effort to really be an effective office manager and to really um, uh, make your jobs easier and to have more synergy in your team and more, more unity, uh, you'll see down in the show notes the things that I feel are really important and helpful. In fact, we have an upcoming podcast episode on the role of an office manager. When you have secret systems, again, you're not keeping them secret intentionally necessarily. It's just they're they're secret. No one else knows how to do it. It's like, oh, hold on, we need to go get Nancy. Or you know what? We don't really know where to put a new patient, so um, we're going to have to to have Amy call you back. Uh, or gosh, you know, I don't know how to answer that question. Let me go get our office manager. Yeah, you know, we don't want to have things that only one person in the office knows how to do. Now, this just doesn't go for the front. This goes for everybody in the office, all right? Everybody ought to be in the loop. Everybody ought to be cross-trained. Everybody ought to know how they can function to make the flow in the office go well. If our objective is to treat patients well, 
if our objective is to create an excellent patient experience, then you are doing your patients a disservice if you are the only one that knows how to check them out, or you're the only one that knows how to schedule the doctor, or you're the only one that knows how to talk to them about their insurance. That's a bad thing. Um, now, you're also creating a bottleneck at the front. If you're the only one that can do things, you are um, oftentimes stressed because there are patients waiting for you. You might be on the phone. There's a patient waiting to check in. There's a patient waiting to check out. And by not having systems in place and uh, creating a way for everybody to know how to do basic things at the front, you're making your job harder. I would suggest that you create a systems, um, I don't know, manual is probably not my favorite word, but I think for um, simplicity purposes for this podcast, I think creating a systems guide or um, you know instruction manual for your role, just take all of the things that you do. Maybe it's how to change the voicemail, how to, um, you know, uh, a basic checkout, where to, to post checks. Just take those things that you do and create a system, just a written system, maybe even create a video. Um, you can create a private YouTube channel for your team that's not public. You can only have access if you have the link. That's a great way to create systems for your team. And as you're doing this, whether you do a video or written systems or both, I heard a great piece of advice once, and that was explain it as if you're explaining it to a fifth grader. Now, not that fifth graders aren't extremely bright. In fact, I wish I had a fifth grader on staff to handle IT things because they're pretty bright. But whenever we think of the, the process of writing down steps to a system and a way that would describe it to a fifth grader, it's going to be very straightforward. It's going to be very simplistic. We're not going to be making assumptions that this fifth grader or fellow team member knows about your software or knows, um, you know, about your phone system. It's just very simplistic. And what a great way or what a, a wonderful service you're doing for your practice, but for yourself in the event you need some help. Now, I'm going to, um, just as a side note, <laughs> uh, there are some times where team members, not just even front office people, or administrative people or office managers, but there are some times where a team member may intentionally keep systems uh, secret. That could be a confidence issue. It could be a self-worth issue. It could be a fear of their, their job, um, somebody being better than they are. That's a whole other issue. And it's a very unhealthy thing. It's very toxic. And uh, if you recognize that something going on in your practice, then that needs to be nipped in the bud because there is no place for that. There is no place for a superstar mentality. In other words, oh, I'm the only one that can do that. I'm sorry, I don't, uh, I'm, you know, you're just going to have to get me to take care of that for you. Or doctors, sometimes you put team members on a pedestal. Oh, you know, go get Jennifer. Go get Jennifer to handle that. Well, the problem is you are suppressing the potential in your other team members and you're putting that person on a pedestal again, which is extremely toxic, extremely unhealthy. So let's not do that. Um, lack of synergy. Boy, I uh, there's a, a, a article I read once on Belgian draft horses. And when we talk about synergy in the office, I think this is a perfect, perfect example. Belgian draft horses, um, not that I knew anything about them before I read this article, but they are extremely strong. 
by themselves, they can pull an average of 7,000 pounds, which is incredible, okay? That in and of itself is just incredible. But if you take two Belgian draft horses and you yoke them together and uh, you know put them headed in the same direction, pulling something, they can pull 21,000 pounds together, okay? They can pull 50% more than the two of them can individually. Now, you take two Belgian draft horses that are trained together, even raised together, and those two Belgian draft horses can pull 32,000 pounds, okay? Now, again, you take them separately, and they're going to pull 7,000 pounds independently. Put them together, they're going to pull, you know, 50% more. You put them together, training together and pulling, they're going to pull extremely, you know, immeasurably more, okay? So I want to encourage you to create synergy in your office by getting people on the same page, training together, cross-training, and helping people understand your role so that you have synergy. Okay, stop controlling the front systems. Second thing, not collecting when treatment is scheduled. Oh my word. So uh, <laughs> uh, I know some of you pre-collect or simply uh, take care of their investment at the time the reservation is secured. If you're not doing that, you are creating a lot more work for yourself down the road. See, there's a domino effect. I mean, the first thing that can happen is patients come up with or come down with the financial flu. They wake up the morning of their appointment, they don't feel so hot, um, and it's mainly because they have to go to the dentist, and not only do they have to get a shot, but they also have to write a big check. All of a sudden, they don't feel so great, and they call you, and what you hear is, gee, something came up and I can't make it today. Well, the way that creates more work for you is now, all of a sudden, you are scrambling to try and fill that spot. You probably didn't even sleep real well the night before because you're wondering if that patient's going to show up. So let's say they do show up. Um, you know, hopefully that this doesn't happen a whole lot, but some people still pull out the old, oh, I forgot my checkbook. I'm sorry, but who doesn't carry a debit or credit card these days? So that's another issue. You know, they, uh, you may even have a written signed financial agreement um, and there's still kind of room for interpretation there. We've traditionally as an industry, um, kind of uh, let people off the hook when it comes to pain sometimes. And so there's almost that expectation and then we don't wanna create problems so we don't really hold them accountable for what they promised to do. And here's the, the, the other issue with that is uh, anytime a patient has a balance with you, that balance becomes a wedge in the relationship with the patient. You just simply can't uh, hold them accountable for paying you if you've allowed that to happen. It is your fault if you don't collect when the patient uh, schedules treatment. It's your fault if they have a balance. It's your fault if they have an overdue account with your office. And we think, oh, but they had a signed agreement. Well, here's the thing. We should not be scheduling patients without a financial obligation, without them making a commitment with their finances when they schedule. You know, not only that, but um, you have all these residual balances and sending out statements takes a lot of time. Fielding those calls the, the week after statements go out takes a lot of time. It's just not worth it to, uh, to, to allow patients to carry balances. You may schedule less appointments, but you can be sure that the ones that you schedule show up so that you aren't spending time chasing money 
chasing patients to reschedule them, trying to fill last minute holes that have come available, sending out statements and fielding calls. That just creates so much extra work for you. Number three, chasing down patients that don't want to be there. <laughs> um, we all uh, are familiar with the good old pending list and recare list. Here's the thing. The best chance you have of scheduling patients is when you are face to face with them. So if we're letting patients walk out the door and we don't know why they aren't scheduling, that's a problem. Okay? Now, there are all kinds of things we could look at and talk about here when it comes to patient communication, the whole treatment uh, presentation, case acceptance process. But bottom line, if we're spending a lot of time calling pending lists, then we are doing things in that uh, patient visit that are creating more work for us later. Maybe we're not affecting or, or communicating effectively. Maybe we're too busy to have a treatment plan ready, so we have to call the patient later. Maybe we um, haven't gotten it into the computer yet, so we can't present it to them. Uh, maybe we are stuck in a very doctor-centered or me-centered uh, communication loop where we're telling patients what they need instead of getting patients involved in their treatment planning process. All kinds of things that could be happening. Let's talk about recare for a minute. Patient no-shows for recare. We call them. Oh, we uh, miss seeing you. Oh, yeah, can I reschedule? Something came up. So we reschedule them. They no-show again. Yep, they don't want to be in your office. So stop chasing those patients that don't want to be there. In fact, if somebody has a um, poor record with your office in terms of honoring your time, uh, don't even pre-book them. Don't pre-book them. Uh, don't call them. You want to be able to look at your schedule every morning and say, you know what? Every one of these patients are going to be here. And I know that because they have a great track record with us. And all of these patients have always honored our time. I mean, think about how many, how many times you have to uh, get that patient through the door if they no-show two times, okay? If we were to look at, let's just uh, assume 80% overhead in the recare department. Recall is so important. Hygiene is so valuable, but in and of itself, it's a pretty high overhead system. So if you have, let's say for simplicity purposes, a patient that comes in and it's $100 worth of revenue and uh, we have 80% overhead and they no-show once, how many times do we have to get them back in the office in order just to break even? You got it five times, okay? So don't chase people that don't want to be there. Number four, filling quote unquote, quote unquote holes in this. Um, busy is the enemy of profit. Dr. Brady says that uh, often and it is so true. If we're just filling white space in the schedule and uh, you know just trying to plug holes, we are probably super busy, but not very profitable. Do you know that a profitable schedule has a lot of white space? When we look at scoreboards for Brady Group members, um, and we one of the things we measure is the number of doctor patients and the dollars per patient visit. Okay. What is so interesting is uh, the, the lower the number of patients, uh, generally the um, higher the profitability. Okay. We look at um, a objective of having a, basically $1,000 per patient visit, $1,000 to $1,200. That's an interesting statistic to watch in your practice because if you are below that, the average is three to $500 per patient visit for a general practice. 
Uh, and basically that means you're filling holes. It means you're um, doing tooth at a time dentistry. It means that you are busy and not profitable. The great thing about having a profitable schedule and not just filling holes by following a template, by scheduling to goal, and we have a system for that for our, our members, is basically you're reserving the morning for larger cases. Like we talked about before, those cases are pre-collected. What a great time to do your administrative work. What an awesome opportunity to be able to do those things that um, you don't have time to do in the, the busyness of the day. So just like the doctors are going to be able to do the majority of their production the first half of the day, you ought to be able to do the majority of your administrative work the first half of the day. So you're not stuck being the last person in the office trying to wrap up loose ends before the next day. Number five, the, the fifth thing, last thing you are doing that is uh, making your job so much harder is being the expert when it comes to insurance. So just like having a residual balance or having a balance on their account for patients, insurance is a wedge in the relationship. Okay, I want you to imagine or kind of envision if you're in a room and it's you, the patient and the insurance company, the way we've traditionally handled this is you've got um, yourself and the insurance company sitting over on one side of the desk and you're buddied up and you're pals and you know each other well and the patient's over on the other side of the room. Okay, you're the expert in the insurance, you are all knowing and the patient's looking to you and the insurance to determine what they're going to do. All right, so that's not a good position to be. The other position that's not very healthy when it comes to insurance is um, washing your hands of insurance. And uh, you know, in this scenario, you're on one side of the desk and the patient and the insurance are on the other side. And you're saying, oh, I, well, we don't deal with insurance. You know, yeah, it's your insurance, you're responsible for it, yada, yada, yada. Um, and so they're like, oh, uh, okay. So then they look to their insurance, their buddies with their insurance, looking for guidance as to how to proceed. Here's what you want to create. You and the patient on one side of the desk and the, the insurance is in the room, it's there, but it's over in the corner and you acknowledge it. It's not like you're ignoring it, but it's not the center of the way that you operate, okay? You're here to help the patient achieve what they want. You're here to help the patient accomplish the desired end result. You know, do they want teeth that last a long time? Are they wanting teeth that, that look nice? Are they wanting teeth that function well? Do they want dentistry that, that is sustainable? Um, or are they gonna look to their $1,000 in their, their dental plan uh, to sustain them? You know, and that's what we want to focus on is, hey, we're here to help you accomplish what you want. Yeah, we see the insurance over there and we're going to make sure you don't waste any of it. But let's talk about what it is that you want to accomplish. What's most important to you when it comes to your teeth? All right. We're not guiding or, or focusing on the insurance. We're not uh, when a new patient calls. Uh, first question out of the chute is what insurance do you have? Having them, yeah, everything that we do revolves around insurance. You want to check out my last podcast on how to handle the I word in your office for lots of tips on how to um, stop being the expert. Doesn't mean you're not helpful. Doesn't mean you don't guide the patient, but stop being all knowing. See, we are creating a situation where you're basically an unpaid employee of the insurance company. 
And when the insurance company, which you have no control over, by the way, does something uh, that's not congruent with what you tell the patient, who's in trouble? You are. <laughs> that's exactly right. So stop making your job so hard by being the expert when it comes to insurance. Welcome to the Front Desk Goddess Diaries. My name is Amy and I am a personal practice coach for the Brady Group. I've been in your shoes and I have the pleasure of working with dental practices across the globe. And you know what I've discovered? Everyone has the same challenges. I'm excited to share wisdom that I've gained from great dental practices just like yours.